Welcome to Under the Influence. Welcome to this episode of Under the Influence. Today joining us, we have Anise Mukhaiber, um, better known as the indie rapper-singer Anise the Rapper. Um, I first found him uh, through his viral TikTok where he covered Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers, which I have to show you guys. Oh, she's always gone too long. It ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Uh, hey, this is a beautiful world, painted with sunshine blue, daisies and roses like sways of emotion and waves in the ocean, the moment they leave is a view in 2002, way before I ever knew, way before I ever knew that I'd be a damn fool if I let you slip, if I let you slip on my grip, and I'm never trying to control you, but don't let this flop, hey. So I just had to show you guys that before. Also, just a quick side note that I'm running into this intro. That is like, I posted that on my Instagram and one of my friends was now obsessed with you because he just absolutely fell in love with it. I appreciate it. you. <laughs> yeah, um, just, just to throw that in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Anise has been building his fan base through TikTok and Instagram. He's accumulated over 50,000 followers between the two platforms. Both handles are Anise the Rapper. So I discovered him through his music, but he is apparently not only a musician, but he's a bard attorney and the head of two of his own companies. So welcome, Anis. I can't wait to get into everything with you. Thank you. It's, a, yeah. it's an honor to be on the Under the Influence podcast, and I'm just grateful that you have me on. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, so can you just tell me a little bit about your journey from attorney to company owner to musician? Yeah, yeah. So I mean it's all been one big uh, process of like awakening. And so for me, the process to becoming an attorney was a part of my life where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And it was a darker time, to be honest with you, uh, a time where I had less clarity in life. Um, but after that happened and I uh, realized, okay, this isn't fulfilling me, uh, the first step I'd say in my like awakening to what I truly want to do was to uh, own a company. And it actually started with a video company and a vlog, uh, Your Peeps Media with uh, one of my best friends, Isa Kadisi. And um, we still own it as a media company. The vlog has ceased to uh, operate, but we own it as a media company. In fact, I was just doing a job today. Um, and that's been a blast. And it's been, it's, it's, I feel as though I'm like a natural born entrepreneur. So mm -hmm that kind of, uh, that journey has been really nice, especially doing it with someone who, who I trust and look up to like, like Isa. Um, but my awakening kind of continued and I realized, okay, owning a, a photo video company is awesome, but it isn't my true passion. And that's where we got into music. And so um, my second company is an East LLC. It's basically my own like indie self-representative label for myself uh, mm -hmm. and I conduct all my music business under that so yeah oh. so so that's kind of how we got here okay cool wow I can't believe there's just I mean that's awesome that you've just done so much and kind of went down these other paths in in a way that I feel like you were able to actually like figure them out and be like okay mm -hmm. you know maybe no maybe no maybe try this instead of just mm -hmm. like dipping your toes into everything um which I feel like is kind of I don't know. It's it's 
you dip your toes in, you're like, maybe I don't like this, but you've never like swam in the pool. So you don't know, you know what I mean? Right. No, for sure. And it's, uh, it took a long time. It felt like, it felt like ages. Um, but I'm just super grateful to be where I'm at. And the one thing I will say in life, and this is going to sound so cliche, but I don't believe in regrets. I don't believe in looking back and saying, what if, what if, what if, what I truly believe is that everything I did was a, like a, a requisite step to get to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And had I not made that decision to go to law school and become an attorney, and even though I didn't enjoy it, had I not made that decision, I probably never would have fully woken up. Mm. I probably would have, uh, I might've slipped into some cozy, uh, you know, nine to five that wouldn't have fulfilled me. And so I'm happy where I'm at. That's awesome. That's really cool. So now that you're, you're based, are you doing full-time music? That's like, that's the ambition. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, it is full-time in the sense that I'm putting well over 40 hours a week into my musical endeavors. Mm -hmm. However, you know, it's not, um, it takes a long time before music can become financially sustainable for an artist, especially an independent artist. And so for me, the work I do uh, in photo video is the other, I'd say like half of what I do, although I spend mm-hmm. a, probably a lot more time on music. So yeah, I'm full-time, but uh, full-time with, I guess, another job. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I feel, yeah, with any, like anything creative, you're like, yeah, that's what I'm doing, but I, it, it's gonna take some while. Have to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 no, exactly. So, um, so with, how is, I guess your relationship with media when you're with your media company versus your own brand, I guess, between your Mm. two companies, like how do you use media differently between them? Yeah. um, Well, with my company, with your people, like with my photo video company, media is definitely a, um, I'd say it's more of like a, uh, a service tool. You know, I, I use it to service what other people want help bring their vision to life. Um, I mean, that's what we do. We, we try to help bring someone's vision onto the screen for them, whether it's a, a, a NGO or a, you know, some local corporation or a, or an individual or, you know, a, 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 another self-employed, uh, hustler out there. So in that sense, it's kind of like a, a, a service tool, but, um, in, in the sense of my own endeavors, right? For my own music, media is a, I don't want to say necessary evil, but it is a, um, it's a vehicle, right? So mm-hmm. without media, I could be making the best music in the world and nobody would see it. Nobody would hear it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so in that sense, it's, it's necessary, right? In another sense, uh, it's beautiful, right? Because I see it as a way to connect with the people who who support my music, right? But there's a flip side to every coin and it can be a very consuming uh, medium. And so with my photo video company, it's a very healthy relationship. With my music, it's a daily struggle to make sure it's a healthy relationship. Okay, yeah, let's, interesting. Let's get a little bit more into that. So. Um, can you elaborate, like, what is so unhealthy about your relationship with media for your own brand? Yeah. Um, and let's, mm-hmm. sorry, before we go on, let's clarify, because I think between the two companies, one is more like traditional media 
and then one is maybe more like digital social media um and yeah. maybe not so if you could clarify yeah yeah what absolutely. you're talking about yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so 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 with my company with my photo video company <clears throat> like you said it's it is traditional media it is it's not uh as much instagram you know uh TikTok and the like it's more you know full service uh video production to be used on company websites you know um maybe on company socials but but with my own personal uh media it's very much social and mm -hmm. it's very much uh it's very much live it's live i do a lot of things live there's a lot of access to me mm -hmm. and it's very personal in that regard and so yeah i think that's another big way that 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 my two different worlds of media are very distinguishable. Yeah. It's interesting how one, there's not really like, um, I guess like a middle ground, like one is very outside of yourself and the other one is kind of wholly into yourself. Like you have, even just going live often, I'm, I, going live is terrifying, I think. Um, <laughs> um, what it do you be. do? Yeah. So what do you typically talk or do like when you go live, do you just talk to people that follow you? Well, see, that's the thing is, is for my own media, I'm always, when I'm, when I'm doing video for other people, I'm behind the camera, but, yeah. but when it's, when it's me in my capacity as an artist, I'm in front of the camera at all times. And like you said, going live can be terrifying, but also it can be very comfortable. And I think for me, what I've learned is whether or not it's terrifying depends on what it is you're doing and how mm. comfortable you are with that activity, right? So if I am freestyling on live, I'm very comfortable. I'm not okay. terrified whatsoever. Oh, I gotta move. This light is really a, <laughs> give me a second. I don't want, I don't want the glare to bounce off. All right. So like I said, if I'm going live and I'm freestyling, very comfortable. That's mm -hmm. my element, right? I'm feeling myself. Even if I'm going live doing a Q and A, right? Engaging with my support base, you know, trying to open myself up more and then allowing other people to open themselves up and sort of just connecting. Where it can be terrifying is um, when the stakes feel a little higher, right? So, for instance, I've gone live on other people's lives. I've featured on people's lives, mm. say for like yeah. an open mic or a contest. And that can be a little more scary because you're not performing in that situation to your to necessarily your fans yeah totally yeah so if you don't deliver you don't know how to on my own live it's always love my my support base is like a family but when you when you dip out of your own pool you got to bring it or you don't know what's going to happen yeah yeah <laughs> okay yeah i see what you're saying what i um as i was scrolling through i mean as i followed you i've noticed the way that you interact with your followers is really interesting you do this thing where you write letters to them like handwritten letters to them can you talk a bit about that and like why you decided to do that yeah it started off as an effort to just connect on a realer level so you know i have x amount of thousands of followers mm -hmm. but i'm aware that not every follower is as much a fan as the next mm -hmm. and so the letters is for me a way to offer people a chance to have a closer connection. You know, you want to draw a certain line where you preserve your own privacy and your own, you know, I guess barriers, but not every single one of my X amount of thousand followers uh, 
might want a letter even, but there's those who really rock with me, who really have been supporting me since day one or, or since whenever it was that they found me, they've just been totally all in on my music. And for those people, I think it's, it's important to sort of show, to go a little bit further. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, for me as an, as an, not as an artist, but for me as a, as a fan of other artists, <clears throat> I know that would mean a lot to me. Yeah. If one of my favorite artists was, you know, willing to, even if it's just a small handwritten, no, I'm not out here writing novels. You know, I'm not <laughs> going to take credit for something I'm not doing, but yeah, <clears throat> but I'm writing one page letters. And if I were to receive that from one of my favorite artists, it would mean a lot to me. So. So how does it, um, how does it work? Like, is there like a reciprocity with it? Like, can they write you back? So that's a good question. Actually, I've only had that happen a couple of times. Um, okay. Typically how it's worked is I've told people, there's been a couple of different ways. I've done giveaways where it's like, if you want a letter, just, I don't know, DM me and I'll write you a letter. I've done uh, every single person who's ever bought a sticker or a, or a magnet, the only, that's like the small amount of merch I have right now, but for anybody who's ever purchased, right? There's a letter automatically with that. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't asked for letters in return and I don't think I've received more than a few, but I don't mind it because yeah. Um, people have sent countless beautiful and um, really thoughtful DMs to me and yeah. I take those to heart and they mean a lot to me it's a tricky balance though when it comes to letters because that's you know you're, you're stepping outside of this you know this metal device into like the real physical world right so yeah. so you know for people to write letters to me, I don't, there'd be some privacy concerns, I guess. I do have a PO box. People can write me letters. I put the PO box on the, on the letters okay. I write. So people could, um, but no, it's not really, it's not really like a reciprocity thing. Okay. Yeah. I, um, yeah, one of my, that, that was going to be my other question. Like if you had like a PO box where they, you know, physically could. Um, so what do you think is the difference between like, I don't know, cause with a DM, you know, I feel like people, you see screenshots, people like, oh, so-and-so DM me, especially like Stan accounts. And they're like, oh, isn't like the bio, like, you know, so-and-so follows me. And like mm -hmm. that becomes like a major Stan account or whatever. And so how do you feel? I mean, like you, you mentioned, you get a lot of thoughtful DMs and like, they mean a lot to you. How do you feel like the difference between, I guess the relationships cultivated through DMs versus those with the letters and maybe the few people oh, wow. that have written you back? That's a great question. Uh, I think that, you know, I don't want to take away from DMs because obviously you can write some really meaningful things and this is the world we live in. It's a digital yeah. world. So these are the letters. I mean, for the kids growing up now, these are their letters. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't know how to buy a stamp. They don't, they don't you know. They <laughs> I don't, don't even know how to buy a stamp. <laughs> no, most people, they don't know the difference between, you know, a forever stamp and a, but the thing is, um, I think that there's something to be said for, for pen to paper. And I mm -hmm. think that there's something to be said for something to be physically drawn, written with your hand. Um, and for me, that's why I've been sending these letters. I want people to know, I mean, theoretically I could DM people the same copy and paste message, right? Yeah. And just personalize it. So I guess when I write these letters, it's a, it's a gesture of, you know, you've taken so much time for me, let me take some time for you. Mm. So I guess there is some recipe in that it's just that you know um with dms 
I think that, um, you know, they take less time, but they're not, they're not less meaningful. I, when I receive a DM, you could send me a letter or a DM. It, it would probably mean the same to me, but I think that there's some people where if I wrote them a letter as opposed to a DM, the letter would mean more to them. Okay. Yeah. I see. I think, um, I feel like it, it, based on what you're saying, it seems like it's different if it's like supporter to you versus you to supporter. Like how you're saying you could, you could DM a whole bunch of, uh, a bunch of your supporters, your followers, the same message, just like change the name and like the amount right. of effort that it takes is, you know, maybe like 30 minutes versus if right. you wrote all of them, even if you wrote all of them, the same letter. That's a day. That's two days uh, yeah. a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so on your part, I guess it's actually, there's a lot more effort in your part on doing that and showing that sort of, I guess, love for them in that way. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's definitely one of those things where it does take time. It takes yeah. like I, when I've done letter giveaways, like I'll sit here writing letters the whole day. Yeah. Just like I will literally w wake up, start writing and it'll be like nighttime and I'm not done writing. Um, but, you know, there's benefit in that for me because the practice of writing so many letters to people, just, you know, so much gratitude, so much uh, reflection. It's, it's very healthy for me. So I hope that people appreciate the letters and that they mean something to them. And I, I can only imagine they do. But for me, as I'm writing them, it's, it's, just, it's almost like a, um, a spiritual exercise of like practicing gratitude. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's very healthy for me to take that time because it wouldn't really mean anything for me. It might mean someone to get a DM from me saying thank you, but it would mean a, a lot less in terms of my own, uh, like if I'm taking the time to write a letter, like I have to really meditate on what I'm saying, how I'm writing it. Um, and I'm very particular about my penmanship. So it's, it's, a, it's a labor of love. Yeah, there's also so many, I guess, other elements. There's the paper, the envelope, the stamp, the- Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, there's all these other things that go into it. And I have um, a method behind that, but, but that's for another time. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, I mean, do you know the like general demographic of your, of your followers, like the age? Yeah, I do actually. Let me, let me pull up my analytics. Pull up my stats. <laughs> let me get these stats up here real quick. I got to So Instagram does a great job and so does Spotify. However, it's different. So when you're asking my demographics, I should ask you, do you mean on social or on streaming? Um, I, it, that's interesting that it's different, I guess. I would think social where you, yeah, whatever demographic you directly interact with more, which I think would be social. Definitely. Yeah. So on social, my big demographic is like teenage to about early thirties. So, oh, okay. which is what I love, right? Because yeah, that's why people who are young enough that they're the next generation of concert goers and people who are not, you know, past the age of wanting to go to concerts. Um, it's uh, it's like almost split. It's like a little heavier with the guys, like maybe like 52, 48. Mm -hmm. But then on uh, stream, it's like straight up, like right down the middle. Oh, and, okay. uh, and the age I believe on stream is, um, it's a little bit more focused in their, it's more people in their twenties. Okay. Than, than the teenagers and like the 30 year olds. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's, I, um, that's interesting. I've, so like when you say teenage, is it like, I mean, you know, that goes from like 13 to 18. I think it's just like 13 to 17. Okay. Okay. 
So I'm wondering, I mean, and you might not even know, but I'm wondering, you know, if the people that you're writing these letters to, depending on how old they are, I feel like someone that's maybe older, you know, late 20s, 30s, like they would appreciate the letter. Um, oh, and for I'm, sure. You know, but like, I'm wondering if like a 13 year old would rather have a DM. Like, yeah, I'm like why do I gotta open this mail? <laughs> yeah, they're like, why did someone send me mail? Like, what, <laughs> like, what is this? And I, so, yeah. That's, that's interesting. I never really thought about that in terms of like the demographic of these people I'd be writing letters to, but I'm confident that they are a little older because yeah. that's a great question because I don't recall, I mean, I don't really look into everybody's page to see, you know, and you can only see so much, but yeah, but I guess what I pick up on, because some of these people are like loyal supporters. And so I, I have a degree of, a, of connection with them. I kind of know them. I would know them like if I, if I saw them. Right. And so okay. I think, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it would probably be people who millennial and up. Yeah. Like not Gen Z. Yeah. Hmm. Did I get those labels right? Gen Z is the younger one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you're you're technically a millennial. Yeah, so millennial yeah. And, and older. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at the cutoff. I was so I was like, I want to be Gen Z. Gen Z is you're so the baby, cool. you're the baby millennial. Yeah, yeah. I'm a 96. <laughs> so I'm like right at the cutoff. But like I'm literally, I couldn't be Gen Z. I'm such a grandma. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's what I'm saying though, because like yeah. I think it would be around exactly your age range and up I don't then again I don't know I mean I do think there probably are a few people that are you know older Gen Z members that that have opted in to get letters I don't maybe you know what for your sake I'll put up a poll okay on my, on my Instagram and I'll say you know I'll divide it by demographic and we'll figure it out okay sounds good <laughs> <laughs> I'm so Thinking of generations now, like you're, I found you on TikTok and I feel like mm -hmm. TikTok, you have a, you have a larger platform on there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, TikTok stats aren't, cause it's not public yet. They're, you know, their demographics or whatever right. their stats aren't out, but just on my usage, I feel like it's a younger crowd. Um, so what is your experience on TikTok been? TikTok <laughs> is very interesting. It's very interesting because in many ways it's, so beautiful and so helpful and in other ways it can be the exact opposite it can be very detrimental very toxic so just like anything I've had to sort of try to strive for balance with TikTok I actually was posting on TikTok since last May I'm not talking about the May that passed but the May before oh, wow. so like what does that put us at like a year and a half away a little more wow. than a year and a half with no traction for like a year straight and I knew it was the wave just because I could tell like, this is kind of like Vine 2.0. Yeah. And if, for those people watching the podcast that were on Vine, you know that Vine was like uber popular. And Vine was swept. it. I loved Vine was it. it. Yeah. I was a huge Vine fan, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I noticed that TikTok was like that heir apparent to Vine, yeah. I got on it and I went hard, but in the beginning I got no traction. And then it took about a year till I realized, okay, uh, study what's working for other people and figure out if you can deliver your own spin on that. And like you said, when you found me, I think most people found me from, from my cover of Ain't No Sunshine. 
Yeah. And I also had another original song that went viral like a month prior, but after I got viral, and this is where it got interesting. This is why I say you need balance. My notifications were just incessant. Like my phone was just boom, boom, boom. I couldn't look at the notification section in TikTok and not see 99 plus. Like I just would refresh every day. Another thousand followers, another thousand followers. And That's exciting. Felt, oh yeah, the dopamine rush was real. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I made it. That's it. And to be honest with you, it, it felt that way for many reasons. Yeah. I wasn't just seeing analytics on TikTok. Like I started seeing it follow over to Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like if I gained 20,000 followers on TikTok, I was gaining 5,000 more on Instagram, which is huge because it's very hard to grow a following on Instagram by yeah. comparison to TikTok. And then I started getting calls from like, you know, or not calls, but DMs asking me to set up calls with, you know, marketing agencies, indie labels. And I really felt like this is like, I did it. I made yeah. it right. Uh, but then I realized with TikTok, if you're not willing to be 24 seven delivering content, you will be yesterday's news. Yeah. And that is a challenge because it's not the same way on Instagram necessarily. And so my relationship with TikTok has been a complicated one because it has brought me so much exposure and I'm very grateful for that. But it has also put a, a very, very heavy sense of pressure on me to, um, to be able to follow up. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a challenge. So I think with TikTok, um, so as an artist, like when, when you were talking about kind of, you know, being personal with your audience and I've seen your Instagram, I had to get off TikTok a while ago because it was not good for me. Um, yeah. So I, but I, I've seen your Instagram. Well, you were just scrolling too much? Yeah, it was just too much. Like it, I'd miss it. I'd like miss it when I wasn't on it and then I'd be on it and then it would just be like- It's addictive. Yeah, and I just, I'm like too old. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I need to get my life together. I can't be on TikTok for hours doing nothing. I will say this, the, the vast majority of people your age are not that mature. They're just oh, I, for your I, page all day long. I, yeah, I, I'm, a lot of my friends are like that and it really stresses me out. I'm like, guys, stop. Anyways. You're falling into the machine. I know, I know. I was having a conversation about that the other night with my best friend about it. So I feel you. Oh yeah, are they, are they really into the, into the social media? No. They're oh. not. Okay. And I'm much more by the nature of my work. I yeah. have to. Like, if you're not on social media right now as an artist, good luck. Yeah. It's, it's social media now is the who you know, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you don't make connections on this platform, I just, outside of having crazy in-person in connections, I don't see how you can, how you can get exposure. So for me, it's very challenging. Yeah, I think that that makes me think because with like entertainment in general, and I guess um, if we're thinking specifically about music or like movies or something, there's like this this elite, right? That like run the industry, like mm -hmm. the, what is the name? Like Jim, Jimmy Irvine, Jimmy Irvine, I don't know. Oh, Iveen. Iveen something, I don't know. Macklemore made a song about him. I just remember <laughs> that from a while ago. Anyways, <laughs> and, um, but there's like these elite, these like older, people mm -hmm. that are not like on the, you know they're not on social media they're not you right. know, doing things but now with social media it's like the masses have so much more of a voice like they can oh, make sure. someone go viral and then for that sure. person then 
now has to get the attention of these, you know, these higher ups. Um, So I'm wondering like, if there's a way, like, I don't know, like, is there a way to bypass one of those systems? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think I get what you're saying. And I think the answer is probably yes. Yeah. Because I do believe, and I have seen this personally, I have seen artists go from just getting on TikTok, zero followers yeah, to 300,000, 500,000, 800,000 followers, and then able to generate the amount of streams on, on digital streaming platforms that if they can keep it up, could sustain mm-hmm. them um, or at least open a lot of opportunities for them to, to um, I guess, become a sustainable, a financially sustainable artist. Cause I think that's what all artists ultimately have to be. Yeah. Um, and that'd be like with no record label, just like making their, making, producing their own stuff and getting those streams. But see, that's the thing, right? So if you're not going to have a record label in this day and age, social media has created a platform you wouldn't have previously had, mm-hmm. you know, gone are the days of, of, um, you know, CDs. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no, it's not, it's not hard copy. So now, yeah. With social media, especially with TikTok, you really can get your name out there to the masses. So I guess it's a question of like, how much work are you willing to do and what's it worth it to you? Because for me, when I thought about how in, how independent I want to be, I think it's a question of economics. Like, what are your opportunity costs? What, what, what's it worth it to you to have 100% of your money as opposed to 95 that other five percent you know frees up your time to be more creative i used to think like no one's getting a single dollar it's all mine uh, and it's a it's a really like romantic way to think about independence as an artist but you know i see a lot of people who have maybe not a, a full record label but a manager mm-hmm. and that manager takes care of a lot of the nitty-gritty so that artist doesn't get bogged down in the business side of things and is able to continuously put out good art so I don't think people need record labels these days as much, not near as much as they did in the past, but I do think they probably still need management. And um, at least myself, I can't imagine, I'm not mentally strong enough to create art 24 seven and do the business side without my tank running low. Yeah. And so I, I think that's think something it's to possible for a lot of people, especially to no. like the, extreme that you want to get to, to like the level that you want to get to, like, there's just not enough hours in the day. No, not unless yeah. you are a robot for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to TikTok and kind of this idea of um, constant posting. So we were talking a little bit about how you're, um, how like you're a bit more personal on social media and like trying to like connect with your fans. So with TikTok, I mean, a lot of what I've seen from your TikTok is just, you know, you showcasing your talents and like right. some maybe like update videos about like what's going on, but may, yeah. you know, mostly your music. So do you, you know, you're saying you have to kind of be on it and upload a lot. I can see how, you know, like consistently putting out a new piece of art is like challenging, especially at like the pace that they let, that, you know, you need to do it for TikTok. So have you considered like, I don't know, maybe trying like a vlogging thing and if so, why haven't you, or if you haven't considered it, why not? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know? I started vlogging actually. That's the part we didn't really talk about. Like I, yeah. that's how it all got going. 
is when I created my vlog with my, with my uh, best friend, Issa, I then created my own vlog, which led me to this. And one thing I know about vlogging is it takes time. Yeah. It takes time and it takes effort and you don't always get the, uh, the results you want in terms of notifications. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's an interesting question. I've always thought that, and I still do believe that once I get to a certain point in terms of numbers, maybe numbers of loyal followers or numbers of people who view my content, I would love at that point to create some longer form content and not stress out on the daily of, I'd love to get to the point where some of these artists are these successful, you know, some of my favorite artists, but they're not posting every day on social media. They're not, yeah. they're not, they're not constantly on TikTok, you know, knocking down the door, but I just don't feel like I'm there yet. I feel yeah. like I, I feel like I, in terms of opportunity costs, my time is most wisely spent at this point with this more repetitive, um, consistent, short form content. So I guess I, I'm thinking like, even like on TikTok, I guess like, I, I guess I want to know your reasoning behind um, only putting, only making TikToks that are, or like majority only making TikToks of Oh, that music. are musical. That are musical. Oh, I misunderstood yeah. your question. Sorry, okay. I, I think, yeah, because the, the word <laughs> vlog kind the of- The vlog triggered me. I'm like, no, I already did a vlog, it didn't work. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, I just don't think when I do that, I get a lot of views to be yeah. real with you. Yeah. And I hate, to, I really feel like such a sellout saying that, you know, like I only will post if it's going to get views, but I've tried, I've tried yeah. maybe I, and I'm very, very open to the possibility that I just haven't tried the non-musical content the right way. And if there is a way for me to be able to put out daily content without having to write a 16 or, you know, stitch together a mashup of, you know, if I could, I would, and maybe, maybe that's what I need to do, but it's, that is, it's, you know, it's challenging. And that's one of those questions I still need to answer for myself is, can I make content that's not musical that people that will, that won't damage my page, so to speak? And I hate to think of it that way, but you have to, because on these, on these platforms like TikTok and Instagram, it's a gallery of sorts. Yeah. And if you're going to put up artwork in your gallery that isn't strictly musical, can you do so in such a way that it doesn't detrimentally affect your gallery? And I honestly have to think more about that. So what if the gallery, so a gallery is like a showcase of, mm -hmm. pe of selected curated pieces. Mm -hmm. But I feel like with social media, something that I feel like is a big discrepancy is like this idea that that's what it is, but also that it's like a hundred percent people are like showing off their lives. Kind of like, like what social media influencers, um, you know, like how, it's like, yeah, well, we're like completely let into their entire lives or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they like mm -hmm. document their whole life. Right. But then there's like this idea, you know, that I feel like is always on social media, like social media is a lie. Like, don't believe everything you see. Do you like yeah. see that? And it's really it weird. Can be. And it's very bizarre to me, this kind of like back and forth with it, where like people are 
you're like on the app and then every there's content on the app telling you what's on the app isn't real but even mm. people that are like pretend like not maybe i don't want to say pretending but like showcasing their whole lives on the app are like this isn't my whole life but like this is my whole life i don't mm. know yeah i don't know, if that I don't know. And I, no I, it does it does it does and i think i understand what you're getting at and if i don't you can just cut me off but but I think I do a lot of that on my Instagram story. I think I try to incorporate people in the more um, non-musical, casual parts of my day mm-hmm. on Instagram stories. And I, that's, I mean, long st- here's a long story short. I have not been able to make music for the last four months mm. because I uh, sustained a throat injury. And so because of that, I haven't been able to create the same content the same musical content, right? right. And so for that, I, I haven't posted on TikTok since uh, more than one time since August. And oh, on wow. Instagram, I've only been posting like pictures, which is difficult because I yeah. don't really like to be like, I just, I'm not a, I'm not on here to be like a, like, like an Instagram model. I don't want to post pictures of myself all the time. I want to post music. And um, Instagram stories have been a way for me to stay connected with the people who truly support me, uh, whether it's just a funny moment or a thought provoking question or a peaceful serenity, you know, like a, like a serene view if I'm going on a walk in nature. Cause I do think that my Instagram supporters, they, they know me on a more personal level than any other platform. Okay. And for that reason, I, I think it's great that I've been able to stay in touch with them on, on Instagram stories. But okay. TikTok is cha- TikTok's challenging because there's no story feature. It's it's just posting, unless yeah. I've not been paying enough attention to the app. And so yeah, I think it yeah, it's just posting. So like, if I were to put what I would put on my Instagram story on a TikTok post, I don't know, I don't know if it would. Uh, and yeah. that's the trouble with TikTok is it's like it's not it's it's all everything is post. You got to be ready. It's like it's got to be post ready. Yeah, everything is kind of meant to go viral like the purpose of a post is to go viral and I just think because the whole app is about virality yeah posting content that in and of itself has a slim chance to go viral like niche not niche content because niche content can still go viral but more mundane casual content yeah there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with the mundane moments the casual beautiful natural slow moments in life but they're just less likely to go viral and for that reason, they're less TikTok friendly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. What have you, so the idea of vi- virality and opposing it to kind of these like serene, slow moments. I read something um, a while ago when I was like studying media and it was about kind of the, it was Susan Sontag's book and it's called, uh, it's somewhere in here, I forget what it's called, but I think it's called The Power empathy something along those lines this is embarrassing i shouldn't have i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna look it up you're good Uh, um the power of empathy yeah that's not that's definitely not what it is hold on hold on susan something i'm gonna get it i'm gonna the real power of harnessing and nope that's Um, a totally different book (laughs) some okay anyway oh no what is it okay whatever whatever it's, it's all right anyways no Susan's, matter what it's called whatever, yeah no matter what it's called um maybe i'll edit it in and just pretend like i knew it anyway yeah, you put the text right here yeah <laughs> so 
it talked about attention and like how people garner attention through um, media. And they, it basically was saying how, basically shock, a shock value to garner empathy and attention has been used. Mm -hmm. it, it was referring more to like humanitarian crises and how they've right. like been portrayed in media. Um, but just kind of going into TikTok and virality and thinking about what garners attention and how it is just based on that theory. Um, I don't know, like, what have you seen, like, as a user? Are, do you like, do you scroll? Are you a scroller on the TikTok? Yeah, I do. I okay. do. I wish I didn't as much, but I do. Um, so you're asking me if I, if, I, if, if I see that same approach of like shock value for attention? Yeah, and like, what do you, what have you seen that's like, I know everyone's page is curated to their own things, right. but like with, I guess, virality, like what, how you were saying too, that like you look at um, what's working and try to like emulate it to make your own stuff go viral. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a big reason why it's been hard for me to go viral is because I'm not really willing to do that type of content. And I Like the shock value content? My life is not, is not shocking, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't have a shocking life. I'm not out here in LA doing, you know, crazy shit and getting, you know, arrested. That's not, that's just not me. And it's not ever going to be me. And so my life, I'm not saying my life is boring. It's just yeah. not shocking. And I, my, my life is extremely exciting in the subtler and more meaningful, deeper ways that every moment affords to me but not in the ways that carry through for, sh for short form content. Um, yeah. You know, like I find life to be shocking when I walk outside in the morning and I see the sun shine through the leaves and the grass is just perfectly illuminated and the dew and the, the wet concrete smells like a summer camp memory. Like that to me is like the shocking moment where I'm just like frozen in my tracks. I'm like, wow, this yeah. is beautiful. And like, I'll put that on my Instagram story and the people who vibe with that and understand they're like, yeah, that was awesome. You know, but that would not go anywhere on TikTok. Not unless I was like really good at editing it. Um, yeah, I think that people do that. They do that. Um, the thing about TikTok, and I, you asked me about my studies of it. What I did learn is that you want to get people's attention really quick. Mm. So the moment the video starts, it's beneficial to you if there's a quick movement or a quick sound. And I actually started incorporating that in my songs. So like, if I was about to rap or sing, I'd be like, I'd be like, uh, uh, don't scroll or like, don't let this flop, you know? And that's a way for me to, like, if you're scrolling and you're just, it's like, don't do it. And I, you, you know, it gives you a reason to pause and maybe give my content a chance. Um, and that is generally true on that app is that whether it's a word or a visual or a, um, a shocking scene, when you're scrolling, because TikTok is not like Instagram. On Instagram, if you scroll, except for Reels, which now is exactly the same as TikTok, but if you're on your Instagram feed, on your explore page, it's a bunch of squares and you can pick from the squares. Yeah. This is my niece, by the way. I don't have normal uh, <laughs> pictures of babies on my screen. That looks very weird, but, <laughs> but um, you know, on, on TikTok, you're scrolling. It's a constant stream of content. Yeah. So, it's a battle, it's a war of who's gonna get you to stop swiping up your finger. And you're more likely to get the finger to back away from the screen if it's immediately engaging. And that is very challenging for me because 
I guess because I don't, I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to feel motivated to constantly vie for someone's attention, you know? And it's that, cause that's just not what my music is about. It's not what my art is about. It's not what my spirit as a human being is about. Is like, I understand everyone in the social age, you need to, you need to, you need to get people to pay attention. Yeah. But to be constantly doing it four times a day, curating content with that exact aim is draining. It's exhausting. And I think that's why you see a lot of these TikTok stars burn out and get depressed and get hooked on drugs and get, you know, just develop unhealthy habits or, you know, get off the app. Um, because it's, it's just as, just as it is addicting. TikTok is a drug that, that, um, flips on both sides, right? So it's addicting for you and me as consumers to keep, it was so addicting that you said you had to get off the app, right? Yeah. And I have had to do that as well at times. Yeah. But then as a content creator, it's equally addicting because when you get that one video that goes viral, which I've had a few, that dopamine rush is like no other. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, it's a very real, colorful ac- affirmation that you will succeed if you keep doing this. Every time your notifications keep showing up, 99 more of them, 100 more followers. As an artist, that's like, it's addicting. You want more of that. And so with an app that's so addicting for both the creators and the consumers, I think that, um, I think that you can't be too careful. You can't be too careful with your usage of the app and I have yet to find the happy medium of creating content on this app that'll allow me to thrive as an artist, but at the same time, maintaining my mental health and my peace of mind and my inner peace. And so, but I deviated a little bit from your question. I think ultimately, yes, I have seen tons of shock value for attention. Yeah. So, well, really quickly, I found the book. Um, it's called Regarding the Pain of Others. So it's- That wasn't anywhere close to what we thought it was. <laughs> but it kind of, it's like, that's sort I mean, of- empathy is in there somewhere, but yeah. man, we were on the, we would have never found it. Yeah. Um, anyways, for any of you listening, I know you were stopped in your tracks. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so with, okay, so you're, you're a lot of what you've been talking about is coming to these- platforms as an artist and as someone that's trying to grow your brand what mm-hmm. if that wasn't what you were doing what like do you have any media social media that isn't related to your music um i have like a personal account that i very rarely use on on and instagram think, yeah on instagram not on tiktok yeah and um funny you ask because I try sometimes to think back to like what was my relationship with social media before I went down this art artistry path in life and I used it but I did not um need it yeah and now I need it Mm. and that's a that's a challenge because you know when you need something it holds the power over you you don't hold the power over it and so TikTok holds a power over me now that it wouldn't have held over me if I wasn't an artist. If I was like just doing another path in life in another universe where I'm a 
high school teacher and I don't care about creating art. I don't even know if I would have a TikTok account, <laughs> but I might, I might, I might, because I will say that, you know, there's a lot of good on the app. So I, if I did, whether or not I would or would not have an account, I wouldn't need it and I wouldn't use it in the same way. Do you think that sort of ability for anyone to go viral and anyone to kind of become, for lack of a better word, like a star for someone to become something is enough for like any average person, regardless of if they're even aspiring to be, you know, someone in an entertainment field to try their hand at it? No, I don't. I think yeah. that as a content creator on TikTok, if you look, if you just want to make videos to have fun with your friends, that's cool. Do it. And there's tons of people doing that. We'll never see their pages because they'll never show up on the for you page because the for you page is only for like viral content. But I think what I'm trying to say is like, it's a vehicle. And if you're not trying to get to the destination that it'll take you to, I don't think you need that vehicle. Okay. As a con as a consumer, sure. As a consumer, I think I think TikTok's awesome as a consumer. Awesome, not without its own detriments, because it certainly has many of them, which we've spoken about. But as a creator, I don't think I don't think if 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 TikTok, yeah, no. I don't no. think so. If you, no. But who who that's just for me. Yeah. No, I'm just, yeah, I'm just wondering. Um, yeah, because I, I think going back to thinking about like how you would use these apps if you weren't using them for your career, like it's such a different thing to try to use it for your brand and your career. And like, um, like I mean, we're, we're both millennials, we're a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember I had make out of Instagram maybe in high school, my freshman year of high school. And then like the iPhone was out before then though, like when I was in middle school. Right. But, um, did you ever like use AIM? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a, big, a big aimer over here. Um, oh, 100%. <laughs> so how do you think that, um, I guess like communication and interpersonal communication, like from that time when we were younger and using, you know, you have to sit down at a desktop, like usually like a family computer or something and like talk to your friends, whatever. And then you leave versus now we're like, it's not just like you can text your friends, but you can like, like I can interact with your content and I've never right. met you. And right. I can right. like personally interact with your content. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And, and, and you can video chat someone you've never met on Instagram. Yeah. Like you can, if you, I've had people. People just call you. Video chat me. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Get out of here. No, like, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, that, I mean, the accessibility that we see now in the terms of digital media and the connectivity it creates between even people who don't know each other is, it's, we're living in a, such a different world than even yeah. just 10 years ago. Do you feel, like, how do you feel like, I guess maybe, just maybe a relationship with your closer friends, like friends that mm -hmm. regardless of these, you would still be in, regardless mm -hmm. of, you know, you'd be in contact with, has that changed? Has that, how has that been influenced by this accessibility? Um, like you mean like even FaceTime? Um, yeah, maybe or FaceTime. more social media? Um, I, I guess any and all, yeah. I mean, it's, look, everything in life has its 
it's opportunities and it's and it's detriments it's beauties and it's ugliness it's pros and it's cons and that extends to everything right you know, food social media art yeah whatever books um i think there's a lot of beauties that i've been able to incorporate into my life like i can facetime people i would not have been able to see their face for months at a time yeah previously but now i can facetime them right and i can catch and you know sometimes that matters if you got an older grandmother if you've got a a sick relative if you've got a friend who just needs your help at the moment and they need a face-to-face kind of there's a lot you lose when you can't see someone's face yeah. when you're talking to them. So like, I'm, I want to be very clear. Like there's, I definitely reap the benefits of it. Um, and I'm not here to say that like, oh yeah, I don't, you know, no matter what critique I will levy against social media or the digital age, I am the foremost abuser of all of these things. And so everything I say is, you know, is more of like a do as I say, not as I do thing. But, um, but I think there's a lot of detriments, right? So I think there's a lot of beauty in being inaccessible and being um, unplugged, mm. not reachable, right? I, yesterday I was driving around and I found myself in the middle of the woods and I walked around by myself And there was this moment where I was like, oh, I gotta go get my phone, it's in the car. And I was like, then there's another moment that followed right after, I'm like, why? Why do I need to get my phone? Like, for what reason, like, what am I gonna do? Maybe in its capacity as a camera, that'd be nice. But like, other other than that, what do I need the phone for? And I'm very terrified that in this day and age we live in, in this digital age, if we're not careful, we will, as a society, as a population, not a society, as a population, as a human, as a human race, we will begin to feel that we need the technology and the connectivity at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already see that on a yeah. personal level, on a mass level, on every level. So I worry for the generation, for the you know Gen Z and the generations to come because in some senses, I think we're the last generation that grew up without that constant connectivity. Yeah, you know, totally. With, without tablets, without um, Zoom classes, FaceTime, and Apple Watches, and iPhones, and AirPod Pros, and you know, like <laughs> here I am. But uh, you know, so everything has its pros and cons. And I think that I'm not here to say like technology is evil because nothing, no technology, I guess, is inherently evil. I guess it's just how we choose to operate with it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, the idea of reliance on interconnectivity is interesting and important. Oh my God, there's a huge, sorry, there's a huge bug that just popped up bug. on my mind. I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. He's just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> um, like with that example of you going into the into the woods and wondering, and then you're like, oh, where's my phone? My immediate thought was I'd be like, oh, where's my phone? And then I would feel unsafe or mm. I would, I would okay. be like, maybe it's a safety thing. And, you know, perhaps that has something to do with being a woman and being like a, a smaller person. 
Um, that might be a, and that might be a privileged perspective of mine of like, you know, I don't have to worry about if I'm in the woods, you know, will I be safe type of thing. But then even for, I think about like, even, yeah, because maybe that is something is, but even if, you know, you, I don't know, like encounter something that doesn't matter of your stature, that is difficult, like a fire, like that was going to impact right. anybody. Um, but that idea of something like this being safety. Mm, okay. Is, um, so like, it's not always bad. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad, but then it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not that it's bad. It's just, it's different how much it's confusing to me how much maybe confusing isn't the right word, but it's kind of like how much is put into this, like into this rectangle, it right. holds my safety. It holds my friends. It holds, it holds your secrets. It holds my secrets. It holds potentially like, um, like your vulnerabilities. Money. It holds your money. money. Yeah. My money. Um, so much stuff that if you like, you know, like that, the phantom effect, like the phantom limb effect, like if you don't have your phone or you misplace it and you're like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, I don't know. And I guess it's just like a, a changing, evolving world. Like it is what it is. But do you think that there's, I don't know, any like generational differences that you, that you can think of that maybe are different from. Yeah. I think you just, I think you just explained it perfectly. I think it, it I think that this is a phantom limb for yeah. a lot of people. I don't think it is as much for the thirties and up. Um, and I see that at least in my life, they'll, you know, be in a room without their phone. They'll go to the store without their phone. They'll going know, out they in public without your phone. Isn't that crazy? Like we, yeah. we both, we were both like went to the store. Come on. That's way too far, way <laughs> too far. Right. What are they going to listen to CDs in their car? Yeah. <laughs> How are they going to pay cash? I'm like, you know, like, Where's the grocery list? Like, right, I don't look right, up right. what things are. God yeah. forbid they remember the grocery list, they carry cash and they don't listen to anything in the car, let alone the radio, right? Yeah. But <laughs> but see, that's what I'm talking about. It's like right now, a 16 year old would, what we just explained, like go to the grocery store without your phone. Like if they were real hip, real woke 16 year old, like, you know, ahead of their times, maybe they'd be like, yeah, that's fine. But most 16 year olds would be like, wait, why, how am I like, what? Like, that's a foreign concept. Yeah. Whereas like my parents, and I was just talking to my friends about the conversation I mentioned earlier, like imagine, imagine the eighties or the nineties, right? Let's just go back 30 years. There was a time 30 years ago only, right? Most of the people from that time are still alive. Okay. There was a time where people just went places without a GPS. They just knew how to go there. They just, they, when they got to the grocery store, they had a wallet with cash in it and, yeah. and change. So they could have exact change. They, they remembered things, right? And they listened to the radio and whatever came on the radio, that's what they got. Yeah. Or maybe they had a CD or, or, you know, a cassette, but that's such a foreign concept now. And I think yeah. that for, for us, I think I would include us, the millennials and yeah. the younger ones, that it does feel very weird because right at our more, form, our more formative stage is when the smartphone became popular. Yeah. And so it's like, I think we were that, we're like that hybrid in between where like some millennials, maybe they were already done with high school by the time the iPhone came out, but some like, that was like all they knew, right? I mean, I started yeah. with the razor, right? But- I had the chocolate. But shortly thereafter, <laughs> it became the iPhone, right? And, yeah. or, you know, Palm Pilot, iPhone, I took this levels to this shit, but- Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, yeah. but the thing is like, you know, 
I genuinely believe that this has become, as you said, a, a, an, ex, an extension of our bodies. And it has many beauties, like you said, it can keep you safe. It can keep you connected. It can keep you, it can allow you to capture things in a way you couldn't before. But I just am a firm believer in the beauty of not having what you want at all times. And like, if you're driving in the car and you can't listen to the song you want, then that's probably a good thing. That's probably a beautiful thing. If you are not able to take a photo of that beautiful sunset, then maybe you just have to admire it with your eyes today. Or if you can't FaceTime a friend today, maybe you can remember what you wanted to tell them and it'll be even more special next time you see them. And so I believe that the phone has made everything so accessible. And when things are accessible, we can always have what we want and we shouldn't always have what we want because if we always have what we want, we never get what we need. And so that's kind of how I feel. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. The idea of, you know, always getting what you want. I was thinking about that too, while you were talking. Um, Give me a second, the light, the light's fading. Yeah, wait, me too, me too, hold on. <laughs> I'm starting to look green, one second. Um, I we're back. Oh, yeah. you know what? Let me, let me take it one step up. This is my video skills right here. All right. This is my capacity as a company owner, so don't mind me. Here we go. Just, you know, I'm gonna make sure the podcast views. For those of you watching the Under the Influence podcast, we go to different levels to get you good video quality. I just need to figure out what is the oh, wow. Yeah, there we go. Look, diffuse it a little bit, bounce it off my water bottle. There we go. Eh, is that too much? That's nah, good. I need, I need one. I'm I'll send you the link. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good light. Um, <laughs> um, Let me make it a little bit warmer though. It's a little too bright right now. All right, here we go. Okay, cool. Um, okay, well, uh, before we were doing it, what were we just talking about? Oh, okay. The accessibility and... Um, I lost my train of thought. What no, we were talking you... about like not getting what you want. Not getting what you want. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So I think that's really an interesting thing to bring up. So why do you, I mean, you, you explained it a little bit, but why do you think that's important for people? Like, how do you think oh, values yeah. have changed culturally by maybe by being able to get what you want? And yeah. 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 You just opened up a can of worms, but we will okay. let them crawl out as they will. Okay. I believe that this is a very deep life that we live and it goes beyond the surface and it goes beyond the visible. Um, I believe for myself personally in uh, living a life that allows you to be fulfilled and spiritually so, and also intellectually so, and I think that, um, how do I want to put this? Let me think of the best way to put this. Um, let me spit out this, this Werther's, otherwise I'm gonna be like grossly sucking on it on camera. All right. What is it? I put a, I had like a little, Oh, off drop, but gotcha. All right. So, um, so the question was like, why is it important to not get what you want? 
at all times and what's the beauty in that and like i said i, I believe you need to be spiritually fulfilled i believe you need to be intellectually fulfilled i think for humans we um we can accomplish as much as we choose to which means that like our accomplishment level our success is highly dependent on our level of discipline right okay and like be it's very hard to be disciplined in this world. Yeah. Very hard to be disciplined. But a big thing, a big key to becoming disciplined, I think, is to get humbled. Mm-hmm. And uh, humility is not a not a value that is very popular in this day and age um, because humility is not about you, right? Humility is like thinking of yourself less and. Um, allowing yourself to not always be exalted. And I think if you allow yourself to accept a life where you don't always get what you want, you can be humbled a little bit more and thereby maybe become a little more disciplined and become more fulfilled. Because if you only ever get what you want, if you you grow so accustomed to only ever getting what you want, you become delusional, in my opinion. Um, You know, I, I, I'm not the best, uh, I'm, not, I'm not clairvoyant. I can't see the future and I don't know everything I need, right? So if I was living a life where I was constantly getting what I wanted, I would never stop to do what I need. I would never stop to uh, put myself in check. Um, and I think small moments, right? The restaurant not being able to make the meal that you want, the song not coming on, you not having your phone so you have to listen to the radio or, um, your friend showing up a little late or your plans getting canceled or, um, you know, small little moments like that where you can't get what you want, they allow you to reflect and uh, maybe just be grateful for what you have. And I don't know. So I think there's like a humility in not getting what you want. And there's also a opportunity to, to, to cultivate gratitude. And I think that humility and gratitude are like, if you have those two, you're set in life. And if you don't have those two, then you're going to live very unfulfilled and, 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 and repetitively unsatisfying life because you'll never, you'll never be enough. Mm. I think that's, I, that's great. I really, I really like that idea and that um, philosophy. And I think that the, there's a few things that came to mind when you were speaking. One is the like, I guess like the threshold for what makes you happy becomes mm-hmm. higher if everything you get is everything it's you want you enough. get. It's, it's never, never enough. enough. Yeah. And in those small moments that you're talking about where maybe you just have to sit with what life has presented you and what the situation has presented you, I think and sometimes it can be uncomfortable, right? For whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, and I do think they offer some like, you know, moments of reflection, like you're saying, but I think like if we bring in social media now, how, and I've, I've done this before, or I'll, I'll be feeling some type of way, something just like external, whatever else is going on. Maybe I'm upset about something, whatever. I'll like, I'm going to post a selfie and I'm going to get likes and I'm going to look cute and I'll just, Oh yeah. The dopamine will take care of it all. And then it just, every, (laughs) any sort of uncomfortable feeling you like post it away you like post and you Ooh, get it I like that I like that you put that post it away post it away and yeah and I just I'm wondering like what it what it does what those moments I and mean, we won't know right like we don't know how much those little moments affect someone until 
like much later in life, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, so it's interesting to think about something like those periods of reflection, not, I don't know, being, being filled with other people's comments, validation. Insight. Oh yeah. I mean, we love to, we love to, um, fill in the gaps with, with affirmation. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's what social media ha is designed to do. It is designed to be an addictive drug that affirms you so much so that if, if you stop receiving that affirmation, it's as though somebody has taken the needle away from you and you can't get that high that you have come to rely on. And I don't know, like when I don't get, let me put it this way, when I don't get the, um, when Chipotle doesn't have the peppers the way I like them, right? <laughs> and I have to have the soggy end of the, you know, uh, container pe peppers as opposed to the, you know, crispy, fresh, right off the grill peppers. Like that sucks, right? But as I eat those peppers and I'm grateful for those peppers, it becomes a lot easier for me to then accept whatever reaction comes to my art, right? Accept whatever uh, response happens to my efforts in life because I don't know, like we're not meant to get what we want at all times. I mean, we couldn't, right? If we were meant to have that, it would be impossible for all of us to concurrently get what we want because yeah. our, our, our wants and needs would be mutually incompatible. They would be yeah. mutually exclusive. Like they just, so clearly that's not the way the world is supposed to work, but we can all have what we don't want at the same time. What we need. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and yeah, I think you make a really, really interesting point of, you know, we got to be careful what we do when we don't get what we, what we, because just not just alone, receiving less than that which you wanted like not getting what you want is not enough you yeah. have to you have to you have to process not getting what you want in a healthy way otherwise you just get something else you want it's like oh, i couldn't get what i wanted in terms of this so i'll get what i wanted in terms of that until i can get the, like if i can't get the you know the likes then i'll get the you know the shares and you know so yeah. Yeah. I think, I think too, the, there's like, and I understand this as I say it, uh, though I know I'm about to critique it, but like on social media, there's this idea that like, it's all, I know, and I know that, you know, your brand's a lot about this too, like good vibes. Like everything is like mm -hmm. positive. We want to spread positive messages, this and that. And something that I've been thinking, yeah, there you, there you go. Good vibes only. And something that I've been thinking about, I mean, obviously you, the, the other side of that is like, negative you don't want to set, spend, spread hate or negative energy or whatever it is right, right, right. um but the idea that you, i don't know like are, are, we're not meant to be happy all the time and very true oh my you know? god and so it's spitting facts over here <laughs> and so it's this um that sounds well on social media when i think it, it's such a large percentage of people's days that they spend on this like online environment and this online like public it's like a whole new reality that they're just right. living in um, and everything around it is meant to make you better or make you happier or make you more positive. I feel like it just sets up this really, like, you're going to get off and you're going to be disappointed no matter what, because that's just not how shit is. In the real world, right? In the real not, world. Not, not on the, on the, you know, shit is good box. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. Just like you're not always meant to get what you want. You're not always meant to be happy. 
Yeah. I very much agree. I think those, those two statements go very much hand in hand. And, and I mean, that the long, uh, there's some very long-term implications of those realities, right? Yeah. Like, cause people, people always want to talk about like their existence mm -hmm. and, um, what it's meant to be. And, um, Look, everything in life is economical. Everything is everything is a, is a commodity, right? They, the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, they're all selling the same thing that Disney and Warner Brothers and MGM sold before them. And that they're selling emotions. Mm -hmm. and, and they're selling, uh, they're selling emotions into your head. You're not changing the way they feel, they're changing the way you feel. So they're selling you the happy ending in every Disney movie, right? Okay, yeah. So we, we you know, because when you step back and realize, I thought about this yesterday as I was watching a movie, very rarely, I mean, you see it a little bit more these days, but very rarely do you see a movie that just ends sad or yeah. that just ends- um, Unresolved. Unresolved, you know, yeah. or- or in the middle somewhere. Sometimes it happens and I respect that, but most of the time they're selling happy endings because it's a story, right? And Instagram is your story. And so you can, you know, you're tempted and seduced to think like, there's gotta be a happy ending to this story, right? And for everyone, I hope that their life has a happy ending, but like, I don't think it matters if you have a happy ending. I think it matters if you have a, a, like a, a fulfilling ending or like but a fulfilling middle yeah but doesn't have yeah. to be an ending like 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 happiness is a part of life it's not the goal of life it's it's uh and i think there's a big difference between happiness and joy and this is a this is like a whole spiritual discussion but i find happiness to be very fleeting and very um unsustainable mm -hmm. and i find joy to be very permanent and very reliable. And I think joy is derived, it's just my beliefs. I think joy is derived from some deeper things in life, which can include not getting what you want, which can include um, not even the happy moments, right? But happiness is like very stimulant, very like now, very fleeting, very uh, temperamental. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it, but, but you know what? Navigating these, these social media apps uh, you know, good luck selling joy because joy is not as, it doesn't grab as much attention as happiness, you know, yeah. not to be a cynic, but that's just reality. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's not ephemeral, so you can't, you can't buy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I mean, um, and joy takes work. Yeah. Happiness doesn't take any work, you know? So like, yeah. Yeah, go on. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, so just like in your definition of your separation between them, happiness is more related to just that dopamine effect. It's just mm -hmm. that like neurological, like upper. It's a quick, it's a quick hit. Yeah, a quick, quick hit. Yeah. Um, there was, have you seen the, the Social Dilemma on Netflix? That just came out this year, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I have definitely been told to see it and I will. Yeah, so... Um, there's, uh, it, it's really good and kind of like an inspo for why I started doing more of this stuff, but awesome. yeah. Um, 
one of the lines in it, which I thought was really interesting, kind of pertinent to what you're saying is the only two fields or groups of people that they call their the consumers users are like drug users and like social media users and i was like that's really insane mm -hmm. if you think about that um and yeah i the idea of happiness and it being fleeting and also i think the idea of it not being an end-all be-all i think is really important and kind of a foreign concept like even generation wise like i don't think like span generation. I think everyone always thinks that that's like the end goal and I'm not, who am I? I don't know anything. So I can't say that it is or it isn't. But it's not the end goal. <laughs> but you can. But you, I can like, say you know, it. I'm yeah. the guest on this podcast. It's not the <laughs> fucking end goal. Happiness is a splash of color on a, on a very big canvas of life. You know? So yeah. well, it's not the goal. Yeah. Well, I... I want to keep you here, but I've kept you here for so long. Um, but I feel like we could talk about this. We've gotten into such spiritual topics now. I feel oh, like yeah. I've into so many this, this, this is a good combo. Yeah. I'll come back on the podcast. Okay. We'll Part do two. Part Yeah, two. exactly. Um, but just to, I guess, wrap it up, like, I don't know. Yeah, I just want to thank you for being with me and talking to me today thank and being you. so vulnerable and sharing your insights. I really enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot. So um, thank you again no thank you thank you the pleasure has all been mine i have as i told you i have not been able to make a lot of music uh, in the last couple months and so this is for me a really um exciting way to engage and still sort of talk about the things that are the substance of my music anyways and so it, it, this is exciting yeah that's awesome i love that too finding new ways to like indulge in your craft um or do your 100 this is a different yeah. part of the craft the podcast yeah. side <laughs> yeah exactly um so i would love for you to have the last word to send us off so anything you want to leave with our listeners okay well guys i'm anise i am an independent rapper singer from the dc area and the last thing i want to say on the under the influence podcast is to the younger generation to the millennials and below, I want to say to you that I have unboundless, boundless, unboundless. Let's just, let me just start this over. All right, guys. So unboundless means definitely bounded. So, all right, well guys, I am Anise. I'm a rapper singer from the DC area. And the last thing I wanna say is to the younger generation, the millennials and younger, Gen Z and the generations to come, I have boundless hope that you will navigate this digital world properly and healthily and sustainably and joyfully. Um, and the key is balance. We've talked a lot about social media. We've talked a lot about um, it from a using standpoint and from a, a creator standpoint. And I don't, no matter which side of the coin you exist on, I think that cultivating the ability to have balance is the only way to have sustainable joy in this digital world. And so I wish that for you. And I do not believe and I refuse to accept that that is not possible. So thank you for having me. And uh, let's, let's definitely do a part two. Yeah. Thank you for every, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Anise. Everyone stay safe. We'll see you next time. Peace.